When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Dominic Sabazlai and Joe Gomez impressed in Sunday's 3-0 win over Aston Villa. Mo Salah was on the score sheet and looked his usual self, despite the transfer rumours. We'll get into the winners at Anfield and we'll discuss our transfer window, including the uncertainty around Salah's future and a deadline day move for Ryan Gravenberg. And to do that, we have James Pearce, Sayus and Andy Jones. And as ever... Let's start with those three words. I'm going to come to you, Simon, because you were grumbling about them even before the show started. Oh, mate, I can't. I don't even know what I'm going to say. So I'm going to give Guy, the producer, a message here. So it is do one, Guy. Yes. <laughs> hush, hush. Andy. Uh, Liverpool winning routinely. That's what I'm going to go for, because that hasn't felt like that's been the case for a good 12 months. Yeah, it's a fair point. James. Poetry in motion. Poetry in motion. Well, we've heard that ring out before. Uh, let's see what they're saying over on the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. Diego says, are we back? Michael Boyd and Robert Schema say, so's boss lie. I'm, I'm struggling with that one. I'm sorry, boys. <laughs> Aaron Mann, Premier League contenders. Well, it's a bit early. Michael Parker, don't trust the bass. Well, I'll tell you what, let's let's start off with Salah and talk about that, James. Where, I mean, where do you understand the situation is, was, ever shall be? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because if you speak to people at Liverpool, they'll tell you a line's been drawn under it. You know, it's it's case closed. It was as soon as Mike Gordon had that brief conversation Um with with senior figures in Saudi on um, Thursday night when they, they they made this verbal offer of 100 million pounds rising to 150 million pounds with with various add-ons um, and Liverpool made it clear there wasn't a price at which they'll do business but as we know the Saudis don't have a habit of taking no for an answer um, so the last few days it's you know the noise over there is they're preparing another bid could even be over £200 million. As we sit here now, I'm not aware that that bid has has landed at Liverpool. And Liverpool's stance is, it doesn't matter. It's not about the size of the fee. The English window, of course, is now shut. Replacing him would be impossible. And they're planning for the season ahead with with Salah still on board. Simon, what price would you take? Would you take any price? (laughs) Not now. Not, not at this moment in time, no. He's irreplaceable at the moment. Um, although the, the figure is very tempting for a player of his age, the bottom line is, as I said to you last week, the money's no good there if it's sitting in your bank account for half a season. You're not able to access it 
by signing somebody. And the other thing is, from Liverpool's perspective, I think that Saudi are likely to come back again. You know, they might not get quite as much in a year's time, but if Salah scores 20 to 30 goals in the season, it's worth £50 million, isn't it, for this season? Because it might get them back in the Champions League. The thing which strikes me is that Salah has a great sense of his own status. You know, he's um, he knows his worth. You know, he knows the importance of his stature and his reputation. I mean, if he went to Saudi Arabia now, it's still a half-baked league, to say the least. And I wonder whether he's looked at this Liverpool rebuild and he's thinking to himself... You know, this might turn out all right. You know, yeah, we're only in the Europa League, but uh, yeah, you know, some of these boys can play a little bit. I mean, would he want to go to a pretend league, Andy, at this stage in his career? Well, the, the financial elements would say that that yes, and I think that applies to pretty much every player, no matter what age. But I think I don't think he could have had much more encouragement in terms of where this Liverpool team could end up, or certainly on the path to than from the performance on Sunday um, where they dominated and controlled against Villa and and you know if you're Salah you know being involved in that there's there's a lot to be excited about and you know one of the, the three words was you know the, the Premier League you know title contenders type thing and I think that there is now uh, well still ex- extremely early there's now a possibility that yeah, maybe Liverpool might be a little bit ahead of where where people maybe expected them to be in, in the way they've started the season. And of course, a lot can change. And and if they if they lose the next two games, then obviously we'll, we'll be reassessing that. But you look how well-rounded he is. I mean, I wrote a piece recently about his creativity and, and how that sometimes can go under the radar. And Liverpool aren't just wouldn't need to just replace his goals, it'd be his assists as well. And and just the fact that he's he's a bit of a unicorn in terms of there's no other player really in, in Liverpool's squad, you know, that right side, the left footed player who's who's comfortable doing that. It, you could play players in that position, but they are different. Luis Diaz, for example, he's right footed, so that changes everything up a little bit and, and would you want to move him away from, from the left side? So th- there's all those elements, but I think ultimately it, it is strange that Salah who okay, yeah, Liverpool aren't competing for all of the biggest honours this season, but they might well be next season. And he might well be competing for certainly a few of them this season if if the, the potential um, you know, that they've showed can be lived up to. Yeah, I, my view on this is that this stage, there's no price you should take for him, uh, no matter what. I'm, I'm with you there, uh, Simon. Anyway, let's talk about some of those other players because, you know, as well as Salah played on Sunday, he wasn't the only one. We were all living in fear, weren't we, of the, the problems at centre-earth. But Joe Gomez did great. James... Joe Gomez doing great. I've forgotten you could actually say that phrase. <laughs> yeah, I think that was probably the biggest takeaway from the game for me, the fact that it just felt like a big step forward for him and um, and timely as well, of course, with Van Dijk serving his suspension, Canate being out injured. I think most fans would say that that's the one concern once the window had shut, the fact that Liverpool hadn't strengthened at centre-back. You know, I think it's probably... a Two, two factors to that. One, in terms of the calibre of the backup centre-backs, but also the durability of them because they've had so many injury problems between them. Um, so, yeah, when you, you factor in, that was only Joe Gomez's third start in all competitions since February. And also, you know, the fact that Watkins and Diaby are a real, real handful. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And Matip wasn't far behind him as well. And... Um, yeah, tougher tests ahead for both of them. And and as you said, like a lot of it is can they stay fit 
and, and actually deliver consistently. But first clean sheet of the season, that, that felt big in itself. It did, it did. And, you know, you look at, like, the stats, which I didn't look up. They've been kindly prepared for me by Jay, the uh, producer today. 121 touches, Gomez, the most in the game. 103 out of 108 passes completed. 100% aerial duels won. Eight times possession won, which is the most. Seven duels contested. Five duels won is the most. And two interceptions. And you know what? Just watching them told me he played well, but it's nice to see him confirmed. Simon, this this was, and we talked about it during the window, one of the areas where we felt they needed extra help. Hopefully, they'll be solid enough there, but do you think... <laughs> I'm looking too far ahead. The window's only just shut. Don't mention January. But <laughs> do you still, still think we need a centre-earth in January? <laughs> well, on, on reflection, I mean, last week, I was obviously saying that they needed one urgently, get one in now. But then James wisely pointed out in one of his pieces that it wasn't something that Liverpool had expressed a determination to do over the course of the summer. So there's a separation between what the fans want to see or think the team needs and what the club was intending to do. I suppose what they would have expected is Virgil van Dijk to get sent off and get the, the ban that he's got. I think it was his first red card in a Liverpool shirt. Am I right in saying, James? Yes. When he got sent off in Newcastle. So I suppose that sort of clouds the conversation a little bit. Something unusual happens. But, I mean, sooner rather than later, that they are going to need to replace Joel Matip, I think. Obviously, Joe Gomez is actually still quite a young, well, a relatively young player. I don't want to sound like Rafael Benitez when he kept on referring to Nabil Elzar as, as a young player when he was in his late 20s or mid to late 20s. But Joe Gomez has been at Liverpool for eight years now. And it's easy to forget, actually, that for a period when Liverpool were really, really, really strong, he was the preferred centre-half of choice alongside Virgil van Dijk and was performing fantastically. His problem has been injuries. And this is the concern going into the into the rest of the season is that at this present moment, they've sort of got two, maybe three defenders who injury records aren't great. So it is an area that we'll need to really assess, I think, over the next uh, couple of windows. Hopefully, if they can keep things together, they'll be able to buy as and when they want and not go into the panic mode like we've seen them do in the past, particularly with centre-halves. But I, another brilliant sign, of course, for the season, Sobazai, Andy, the goal was brilliant. But as all round game is pressing... It was fantastic. And why I love the way he drives into space. Yeah, he's, he's becoming that talisman very, very quickly from the middle of the pitch. And I think what struck me the most about him is that, thinking back to last season, it always felt that Liverpool were were a reactive team and they were on the back foot and the opposition with the front foot. And, you know, Sabozlai's come in and, and flipped that completely on its head because he couldn't be more front foot if he tried, really. And everything he does, you know, his, his athleticism's you know, off the charts in terms of... His ability to do it for 90 minutes, but also the speed, the speed of thought, his ability to, to nip into challenges, but also his aggression. And, you know, he doesn't just get there, he gets there and, and wins the ball back. And then, you know, in possession, you know, he's got he's got everything, hasn't he? You know, he's got the passing range, he's got the creativity, he can carry the ball. And then you see the strike and it's a superb bit, isn't it? Right into the corner, couldn't, couldn't have struck it better, really. Yeah, I think he's been a little bit of a surprise package because I think there was an element of he might need to settle in a little bit more than than sort of a McAllister who'd, who'd been in the Premier League and, and sort of, you know, had adapted. But 
he looks like he's made for the Premier League. You know, he's, it's so exciting just to see. And, and you, you know, the mad thing of, is how, how young he is, that he can just continue to get better and better and better. You, you know what I really like about him? And this is just a very basic thing. It's, it's, it's what Bill Shankly would call natural enthusiasm. It's not just obviously he's very good on the ball, but I, I just think he, he's very enthusiastic on the pitch. He, he wants to be involved, whether it's with the ball or without the ball. And I think that will always go a long way to sort of winning the crowd over, particularly inside the stadium. He seems to be really enjoying himself as well. I think that is another thing. He seems to really relish the sort of the physical challenge of playing for Liverpool. Uh, I think I'm uh, maybe too too early after he signed. I was sort of comparing him a little bit to Emre Chan. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's harsh. That I, I when I saw him play for Leipzig and Salzburg before. It felt sometimes that he, he wanted a bit too much time on the ball. But so far, playing for Liverpool, that just hasn't been the case. And I've been proven absolutely incorrect. I think that the interior point's really, really good. Because even like against Bournemouth, when he had to go in and play the six, and you were like, oh, you know, he's a tough minded. Is he going to really fit here? And he was like, Sarno, no worries, watch this. And then was still the best player on the pitch. And it's, it's that type of thing, isn't it? Where he's not bothered, he's, he'll do whatever for the team. But he's also going to do it at an extremely high level and enjoy it. So you can't ask for much more, really. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Right, we've talked about one midfield sign and who's doing brilliantly. What about the other one who come in at the last minute? Ryan Gravenberg. James, it's a name they've been linked with for a long, long time. And they finally pressed the button. I mean, was was there an element of panic in this? Or, it, you know, would you say he's been a legitimate long-term target? Yeah, definitely the the latter in terms of being a long-term target. I think it was just a case of having to wait, really, because of Bayern's stance. Because I think we've talked about Gravenberch numerous times this summer and said, well, the interest is there it's it hasn't gone away it was just Bayern were like no we're not going to sell we're not going to sell certainly speaking to Rafa Honigstein our German football expert the athletic he was he was saying that, that there was some disagreement behind the scenes at Bayern in terms of Tuchel clearly wasn't a big fan I think other people at the club would have liked to have seen him given more of an opportunity and potentially stay around Gravenberch himself had made it very clear that he was desperate to come to Liverpool there was a bit of drama thrown in with Bayern thought they were getting Paulina from Fulham. That was effectively their kind of Gravenberch replacement, but that fell through. But thankfully, by that point, there was no chance of them pulling the plug on Gravenberch. And I think he ticks an awful lot of boxes for Klopp in terms of versatile, can play the holding role, can play further forward. Are you saying he's a, a multifunctional midfielder? James? Multifunctional, Simon. We yeah. talked about that last week, didn't we? <laughs> he is the multifunctional midfielder that Jurgen Klopp was after. And yeah, decent level of experience, but still young. He's what, he 21. And I think Klopp will quite like that as well. It's a bit, he's a bit of a project signing, isn't he, in terms of 
coming off the back of a pretty bleak year at Bayern, things just didn't work out and Klopp will certainly back himself to to get a tune out of him and and prove to people that you know he was he was probably under underappreciated a bit probably hasn't made himself too popular back home in Holland by deciding not to link up with the Netherlands under 21 squad this week because he said he wants to you know get his feet under the table at, at Kirby and 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 get settled here so that hasn't gone down too well there but um I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will be, be delighted about that Simon, have you seen much of them? I mean, can you explain this to me? The multifunctions, or at least one or two of them. <laughs> well, first of all, is it Graven Birch or Graven Birch? The Dutch would say Birch. Birch, okay, we're going with Birch. Actually, we, we should be able to say it because we with our pronunciation, Birch. Yeah, it sounds better than Scouts. <laughs> right, it's quite interesting that the multifunctional elements of it, because in Holland, uh, I've spoken to a couple of people last week, about this, and this is sort of layered into some of the criticism that he's received when he was at Ajax, and might explain a little bit as well why he hasn't played so much at Bayern because he sort of inherited Frankie De Jong's role in the Ajax team as 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 the number everybody likes to call him the number six or the number eight now, don't they? But the sort of the deeper midfielder. And at times he, he found that role quite hard. He was a very young player at the time, you know, 17, 18, which, you know, I suppose by Ajax standards, that's ancient, isn't it, actually? But um, he, he found that quite hard at times. And I, I saw some quotes from Eric Ten Hag when he was manager and he was saying that he, he sometimes he needs to play a bit more like Edson Alvarez, who's since gone to West Ham. You know, he's a bit of a, a hound in midfield who chases after everything. Graven Burke didn't do so much of that. But a lot of his, his sort of his better performances for Ajax were actually when he played to the left of a three as, as more of an eight. And he obviously signed for, for Bayern, who sort of flipped the team a little bit, flipped the midfield anyway under under Tuchel, who went to more of a two in midfield. So there wasn't really the space for Gravenberg to to really express himself in the best way that he wanted. And some of those comments have come through in, in Tuchel's press conferences recently that he sort of felt that he, there wasn't the space for him in the team. You know, they had lots of number number 10s available to him and he didn't feel that he was quite ready enough to play as one of the two players in, in midfield where they also had lots of play, you know experience as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where he plays for Liverpool because I think there's an expectation that he's going to come in and play as a number six, whereas... He hasn't had as much success in that role playing for for Ajax over a couple of years. But I think where Klopp, from what I've been told, where, where Klopp really likes him is he's one of these players who can play... <laughs> who can who can multifunctional? Can, yeah, I'm leading towards that. I can't I can't um, I can't resist it. But he's one of those players who who can sort of drift into the the wide areas and cover maybe the attack and full back and, and the 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 attack and wide player as well. So he's good in the, in the wide areas as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see what 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 the manager settles on because I think it's easy to forget. Actually, it wasn't really until Fabinho came into the team. You know, the, the, he played around with the, the number six role. Henderson was playing that that role for a while. There was various other players who, who had a go at it. So it seems that that that, that position still, even with the signing of Granberg, hasn't hasn't been filled absolutely. It could it could be with time. I I love the thought of you know uh, saying Tuchel had you know lots of number tens. I love the thought of them all wearing ten on the pitch. <laughs> That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Like a big playground, isn't it really? Everybody thinks that the number 10. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I think we need to talk about 
those who have departed. Jordan Henderson. He's not dead, Tony. He's dead to me. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. I was setting that one up. I was hoping someone would say that. But yeah, but he is. He is. You know, I, I was a huge admirer of him. He's gone, you know, after making the big gesture of kinship with uh, the LGBTQ community, he's gone to Saudi Arabia. And then he, he comes out with a, a really whingy, self serving interview with the Athletic, of course. And um, whereas, well, no one wants me. Well, you know what, Jordan? There were phases in your Liverpool career when actually they didn't want you. But, Andy, this, this, it's like, I don't know. You tell me what it is. <laughs> I don't even know where you start with it, really, do you? Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it was obvious that his his playing time was going to be you know, decrease naturally because of age, but also, you know, let's be honest, he his playing time decreased last season. There were times where, you know, it, you know, in January, I think where Klopp just goes, you and Fabinho, nah, <laughs> you need to sit on the bench for a bit, and he goes with, you know, Thiago, Bacetic, and and Keita as his midfield, and. You know, this was obviously going to come. Everyone knew that there was a rebuild coming. Uh, there was going to be new faces. There were going to be players who, you know, even just suited Liverpool's new system a little bit better. You know, Henderson did all right in it, and that sort of right-sided number ten role in the box. But it, you know, you could tell it wasn't quite suited to him. I, d- I don't think Liverpool would have been were desperate to keep hold of him because you know I think this is a new era, and and there is an element of. If you know, why not transition now? If you can, you can you can get the replacements in, and and we've sort of seen that. I don't think it's I don't think at any point anyone sort of missed or so. Oh, I wish you know, if only we'd had you know Henderson or Cater or Ox or, or Milner or someone like that. You know, that, they, those stages may come in a, in a you know in a, in a time when you need a bit more leadership on the pitch or something like that. But yeah, it was a bit of a strange comment. I think you know within the, within the interview, which was you know excellently do, done by by David and, and Adam. Yeah, I, I mean, James, it was the right time to go, just the wrong place. Well, certainly from my perspective and from many people's perspective, but I, I mean, there was no keeping them around, was there? Well, I think it was, it was, it was his decision. I don't, I don't really buy this kind of. I didn't feel wanted, so I kind of had to go because there's, there's been other times in Jordan Anderson's Liverpool career, as you touched on earlier, Tony, when. He probably didn't feel particularly loved, yet his reaction was to was to dig deep, fight, and prove people wrong, which he did. So yeah, I don't really buy that. This you know the, the comments about you know Jurgen Klopp said you know I'm going to be signing players in your position. Well, of course Liverpool were going to sign players in his position. You only have to look at the number of people that left the club uh, with, with contracts being up. So he could have stayed there and fought. And of course, at the age of thirty three. He was never going to be, you know, starting every week, but that wasn't the case last season. He played 43 times last season. And and, he, and I, th- I think clearly there was a big, big financial incentive to go over there, um, which, you know, I, I, sometimes I wish people would just come out and say that rather than talk about projects and furthering the game somewhere else and all the rest of it. Because, yeah, I, I don't know whether, you know, deep down, it, whether there's any regrets there. He certainly didn't, didn't let on, did he, in that, you know, the, the excellent interview that Adam Crafton and David Ornstein did with him. But it doesn't change the fact a lot of people feel let down by the decisions he's made. And one of the saddest things for me is the fact that someone who gave so much for the club did end up leaving under a bit of a cloud without having the chance to say goodbye. And why would you want to leave in that kind of scenario? That's something that still doesn't sit quite right with me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't get away from 
the fact, Simon, that he was a tremendous captain and a fine player for the club. But, you know, not not one of the greats, obviously. But, I mean, that's not to diminish him. He, he was a fine player. The thing is, I, I think... The thing that I loved about Jordan Henderson's story is is something that we we've touched on is you know the the, the sort of the impact and reaction to rejection throughout his career and proving people wrong. I thought it was a really powerful story that any footballer could learn from. Now I, I do disagree with with some of the things that have just been said. In the I know he has you know ten years ago he was told by Brendan Rodgers he could leave he could go and sign for Fulham I think there is a difference now he is 33 I don't think we can overestimate the impact of going into a meeting with the manager and expecting semi-expecting him to, to reassure him when the reality was actually this is quite a lucrative deal for Liverpool you can go I don't think he, he went into that meeting necessarily expecting to be told that he could leave and the club were more than happy to, to sell him now that can be true, of course. It could be true as well. He doesn't quite trust himself to the level that he used to trust himself. You know, as a player, he may have lost that little bit of confidence that he'd had and, and sort of um, that sort of tenacity that he had when he was uh, a 23-year-old who was only a year into his Liverpool career. Now, the point where I really struggled with the interview was where he, he sort of says about Qatar and Amnesty International and I went over there and, you know, it was great. It's like, well... No, I mean, were you there six months, 12 months, six years earlier? Have you actually spoken to people on the ground who were affected by this project? Or are you just making your judgment based on the very narrow experience that you've had at a World Cup camp where FIFA are putting people in front of you to speak nicely about the country? I mean, the thing is with Jordan Henderson, I think when he he, he made a commitment to some of the communities and the campaigns that he, he made. A lot of people have said, oh, he's just done this to leverage his own popularity. I don't think he did that. I do think he did that genuinely at the time. But I think there is scope in this discussion as well, which is revealed in the interview where, I mean, let's face it, Jordan Henson, I don't think is as worldly wise as people might assume. I mean, I found that this sort of idea that he is going to be an envoy for the for the Western world over there, and change thousands of years of sort of religious history purely by his presence in Saudi Arabia. I mean, I know footballers have a reach, but I do find the sort of this misplaced, almost arrogance of their importance here as being, you know, quite far away from the mark. I mean, I think he's going to have to decide if he really feels strongly about some of the campaigns that he's aligned with, he's going to have to find a way to find a voice while he's playing for Etifak in Saudi Arabia and and get people speaking more about it. It's not merely enough just to be there. If you believe him, that, you know, that that is genuinely what he thinks. I, I happen to think that John Henderson's a pretty straight down the line sort of person. You know, he, James and I have interviewed him on, on several occasions. I don't think he's the sort of person to play sort of, you know, politics around answers. But I think some of the answers sat quite uncomfortably with me. But I'm glad that he's done the interview. I'm glad that, you know, David and, and Adam have done the interview and, and given the chance to really show people exactly um, exactly where his logic is and exactly where his knowledge is as well. Because so much of, you know, the stuff that we see around football when it, it comes to like sort of campaign work, 
is influenced heavily by PR. And I've had people saying, this is a PR interview. I don't think it is. I think it's just him speaking according to his own conscience. And okay, I totally accept what James has said about the, the, you know, the finances around it. I think that's the one area particularly where, you know, he's not going to Saudi Arabia if he's getting paid crap money, is he? Let's be honest. No, no, not at all. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com. Talking to Jordan Henderson, he's on international duty this week and it's the international break and we love the international break. I love England, England, all that sort of stuff. Flare up your jacksy, all that stuff. Yeah, great. <laughs> Who are they playing? I have no idea. Do you think I care? Do you think I care? <laughs> I love that, that turn of pace in the conversation. There. Right, in, in international break. So, so it gives us time without football, without meaningful football, to reflect on the start of the season, James. <laughs> do you care about international football and can you reflect on the start of the season please no I don't particularly care about international football I I was delighted that Canate has dropped out of the France squad because there was there seemed to be some concern that he was going to go away with France despite having missed the past two games at Liverpool with a hamstring issue um, so hopefully the break will allow him the chance to get fit um, I think also worth saying there was some good news yesterday when Trent Alexander-Arnold had his scan because, um, you know, I think alarm bells were ringing a bit when he limped off with about 20 minutes to go against Villa. Again, a hamstring issue, but thankfully the scan showed only minor a minor issue that two weeks this is the is the kind of timescale he's been given, which means, you know, touch and go for Wolves away after the international break. But if, if he, you know, it, it should only be one Premier League game he misses if he, if he does miss that one. So, um, so no, I think it's been, when you think of all the turmoil with the fact that they were still scratching around to get new faces in right up to, to deadline day, they've had to deal with all the upheaval with Mo Salah. To get 10 points out of 12 so far, especially when you think in two of those four games have been reduced to 10 men, been to two tricky places in Chelsea and Newcastle away already, both of them ticked off. Yeah, a lot to be, a lot to be positive about. And by far and away, the performance against Villa was on a whole different level to what we'd seen in the previous three games. That was that was much more like the Liverpool of old in terms of that mix of like attacking brilliance, but also with control. Because 
you know, how many times have we said, even when Liverpool have looked good going forward, they've looked so vulnerable to counterattacks, but they were compact. The structure was good. You know, the, the midfield worked so well in terms of the balance. So, um, yeah, early days, but a lot to be optimistic about. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely. That optimism's reflected by all of us, isn't it? Don't be chaps. Yeah, I, I, I've been really impressed by the start of the season. Liverpool took nine games to get to 10 points last season. So they're obviously in a much better place than they were. We, we don't ever talk about last season. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Last season, like Jordan Henderson, is dead to us. <laughs> the Europa League draw, Austria, Belgium and France. What great places to go to. Keep your new camp, keep your new camp. It's boring. It's a concrete bowl that's soulless, and Barcelona's the most overrated city in the world. This, these are trips. I say we stay in the Europa League every year. Well, Tony, the, the new camp isn't being used this season, of course. You get me points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, who doesn't like a new a new ground? But I think that one of the biggest things is it's nice travel. Liverpool aren't going jetting off miles away. Well, they are, but could be a lot further away for some of these games. So they're quite nice and, and hopefully we'll make that sort of Thursday, Sunday problem not a problem. But I think also it's a group that, you know, looks on paper relatively easy and therefore you would like to think that there'll be plenty of, of rotation and, and plenty of opportunities for some of the younger players. You know, the likes of Ben Doak, you know, Gerald Quonset as well. Um, we've seen little bits and pieces of and, you know, even just by Chesich and, and Elliot and, and just continuing their developments. I think the group lends itself to being able to, to rotate. The squad is, is pretty deep now and you can use different players at different points and, and keep things fresh so that you can you deal with both. And, and yeah, it's, it's a group that, that looks, looks quite nice and Liverpool you would like to think will, you know, comfortably navigate. I don't want to sound miserable, but that draw did ram home to me the, the the difference between being in the Champions League and being out of it. I'd never even heard of two of the three teams that Liverpool got drawn against. <laughs> and and, like, and I, when you get to you're, you're off to Lask in a couple of weeks, and it's like where's where's Lask? <laughs> it doesn't exactly set the pulse racing, does it? To lose Union and Lask. Oh come on! I think Brussels would be good. Mm. Brussels would be good, and then I think I think Linz is a beautiful city. So I'm going to stand up for these places. Well, the, the other thing that I know a few lads who go everywhere were saying that I think because all three are small grounds, there's going to be very few tickets as well. That is true. Yeah. It's, someone, someone said, I don't know, I, I need to double check this, but someone said to me it's about 3,000 tickets all in across the three trips yeah. that, that Liverpool will be getting. So um, well, The games themselves, they're, they're incidental anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, as, that's the main thing. As Klopp famously said, when what was it, the Europa League final in Basel, <laughs> wasn't it? And like the same day that the, I think the Swiss police said, on, the, on no account, travel without a ticket. And Klopp came out and said, I hope we take 200,000 over there. <laughs> 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 well, just a real quick one to finish. Andy, you think we can get in the title race? I, th I think we can be in it. How long we can be in it for is the big question. Because I think when it comes to those sort of December, that January, February period where notorious Liverpool are bad under Klopp, that's where it might sort of fall away. But I think if, if you can have that momentum, and I think the important thing is Liverpool have, have been able to show that they can deal with adversity again which completely went away from from all of their, them last season so I think that there's there's the ingredients there but whether they can put it all together is for the whole season is a different question 
Simon? I think that any team that is managed by Jürgen Klopp that has momentum and obviously the talent behind it has always got a chance. And as soon as, you know, the crowd start believing, it's very difficult to stop. You can sort of feel that that energy a little bit already. It might be a little bit too soon for, you know, the team that's going through or has had such sort of radical transition over the last couple of months. But I think they'll be difficult to stop if, if the... If they're in this position in a couple of months' time, because it's a very powerful thing when you know the, the Anfield audience begins to believe. So I think it's been a very promising start. Probably a little bit too early to talk about title challenges, given you know how strongly Man City have started again. But yeah, I mean, I, I would expect them to do better than I thought maybe six weeks ago. Certainly, they, they should be challenging, you know, the, the best of the rest, whether that be Arsenal or. Well, I can't really think of anybody else, to be honest. So, yeah, they should be certainly the top three. James? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I just I think it's too early to be talking about that. Um, but as we all know, special things can happen when you build up momentum. And Liverpool have got a little bit of that behind them already with the, with the start they made. So, yeah, loads and loads of positives to build on. I still think they're going to need some good fortune, especially on injuries, especially at centre-half. You know, really, really hope that Joe Gomez can kick on from here because he's had so much misfortune. You know, it's unbelievable, really, to think he's been at the club over eight years and he's only played 170-odd games because he's had so many setbacks. But yeah, I think with the way that the new boys have settled in, um, Klopp's got a lot to work with there. I just hope that between now and the Saudi window shutting on Thursday, they give up on Mo Salah and turn their attentions to Erling Haaland instead. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note... That's it for this week on Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Sai, and Andy, and to you as well for joining us. We'll be back next Wednesday. We'll catch you then. The Athletic. <laughs>